Let's take your Bibles to Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. I'm going to read 16 through 24. Luke 14, 16 to verse 24. Then he said unto him, A certain man had a great supper and bade many. Now, I must stop there and say, are you familiar with the, the great marriage supper of the Lamb? That's the great marriage supper of the Lamb is after Jesus comes back. He takes a rule and reign for a thousand years upon earth. He's going to throw a big old supper. And you know, it's interesting how God parallels what we do. What do we do for Thanksgiving? We throw a big old dinner, supper, whatever. It's a big old meal, right? If you really want to have fun with your family, you got to have some food. You just got to bring the food in. We're creatures that are attached to food. And so it doesn't it, surprise me that in heaven that's not going away. That's not going away. Uh, we're going to have this great marriage supper of the Lamb, and I'll prove that to you biblically tonight before we get out of here about eating. It says, a great certain man had a great supper, obeyed many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Now, you Yankees, supper is in the evening. It is not dinner. When you say come to dinner, that's at noon. When you say come to supper, that's 6 o'clock, or whenever time you tell me, I'll be there. Just thought I'd mention that. And they all, with one, one, one consent, began to make excuse. The first one said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it, and I pray, have thee me excused. I mean, Whatstone just referred to this, and this is just my uh, proof text here for what I'm going to talk about tonight. <clears throat> but he bought, bought a piece of ground like uh, what Danny Whetstone said. He bought a piece of ground, didn't look at it. Another said, I have bought a five yoke of oxen, I improved them. You mean you bought five yoke of oxen? And you didn't make sure they were good? Another said, I've married a wife. What should be added in there is, and I go, I must prove her. If she can't cook, it's over. Therefore, I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and then the master of the house being angry. And this is a, this is a parable, you know, parable of the Great Supper. And being angry, he said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring him hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Why? That my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. We've been invited to a fantastic banquet. You weren't just invited to have your sins forgiven and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You may not have understood it and you didn't. But you've been invited as part of the family of God now. You went from child, from being a children or children of disobedience to being a children of light. You went from being a child of the devil, John 8, 44, to being a child of God. You switched you switch daddies. 
You were born twice, born once of the evil one, now born the second time of God. And man, the fringe benefits of being a child of God are many, are many. We've been invited to the banquet. All the big names will be there. All the heroes of the faith will be there. All the saints will be there. In Matthew 8, 11, it says, And I say unto thee that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Why do I say that sitting down together implies eating at a banquet? Because I just said that. See, it's the sitting down. I don't like to go to fast food restaurants where I have to wait on myself, stand in line, and then get my, go get my food when they call my number. That's not my favorite way to eat. I like to go to into a, and you know what I'm talking about, a sit-down restaurant where you go in, sit at a table, and a girl comes by and says, what would you like to drink? What's your order? And then brings it to you. And it's interesting. God's the same way. It says in Luke 12, 37, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and shall make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he made them sit down before, he, before they ate. Luke 9, 14, there was about 5,000 men there, and he said unto the disciples, make them sit down by 50s in a, in a company. And they did so and made them all sit down. Something significant. So why? You're sitting down, you're relaxed. Another place where those was on the road to Emmaus, we see that sitting down, it said, in verse 30 of Luke 24, it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, break it, and gave them, gave to them. So he sat down with them, and they sat together on the road to Emmaus. Jesus promised his disciples that he would wait for them to eat and to drink. In Matthew 26, 29, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is fulfilled scripture in scripture in Revelation chapter 19. That what he said in Matthew 26, 29 is fulfilled in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousnesses of the saints. We get us a new set of clothes. And we got a lot to look forward to, folks. If God would let you see what you got, I mean, he's already told you about it, right? But he'd let you get a little peek on that. You'd go from being a state Presbyterian to be a shouting Baptist. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's chapter 19, verse 9 of Revelation. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Are you going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? The title is, Don't Miss Supper. Don't Miss Supper. God's called you to the marriage supper of the Lamb through His Son. When you receive your forgiveness of sin by, being, by trusting the Lord Jesus, a simple childlike faith that He was buried and rose again the third day. He died for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day is what I want to say. If you'll believe that, believe the Bible's testimony of Jesus, you can be saved, put in his family, and get to go to the supper. Woo! 
I've never eaten food on this earth that satisfied me. I mean, temporarily it satisfied me, but pretty soon I was hungry again. I don't think it's going to be one heaven that's satisfying things of God. I found the things of God here on earth are so much more satisfying than sin offered by the old devil. There's a great supper coming, and it's out of this world. And there's a great invitation to this supper. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, the Bible says, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There is a yoke to being a Christian. There is a burden to being a Christian. But compared to the burden of the world, compared to the burden of sin, compared to the yoke of sin, it's easy, it's light. Yes, God asks you to quit some stuff. And yes, God asks you to not go some places. And yes, God asks you to come to church instead of watching a Super Bowl. That's an easy yoke. It's a light burden. Okay, you didn't get to watch half the Super Bowl. Time I'm done, you get home, you're going to be able to watch the best half of the game. Revelation 22, 17, And the Spirit and bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that thirst say, Come. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I believe God means what he says. He says what he means. Amen. I could never be a Calvinist. Trust me, I've had people try to convert me to Calvinism. When I was at school, I had people make a, make a serious effort to try to convince me Calvinism was true. It's just not true. I go back to the book, and the book don't support it. Now, if you stay away from the book, it sounds good, and all the logic fits, and it sounds like a convincing argument until you go back to the Bible. Kind of like dealing with Jehovah's Witness. If you, get a Jehovah, if you stay away from the Bible, Jehovah's Witness sounds right, but you go back to the Bible, it proves that Jehovah's Witnesses are not right, and the Mormons are not right, and those folks who claim all kinds of things. Get away from the book, or you're ignorant of the book, and you may think they're right, but when you get in the book, it's not. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. God meant it. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sub with him and he with me. John 6.37, All that the Father has given me shall come to me, and to him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There's no, no doubt in my mind that this is the broadest and most intense invitation that has ever been given into the world, this great invitation to come to Jesus and to be part of the supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why does God give such an invitation? Why? Because he loves you. You know, one of the subjects of the Bible that's been hard for me to grasp and been hard for me to digest is that God really, really, really loves me. I mean, I've been told that, I've read that, I've experienced His love, but yet my, my old flesh says, how could God love you? How could God love you? Well, He don't love the old flesh. He loves the new man. Amen. He loves the new man that's created in Christ Jesus. The old man's going to die here. He don't love that. You know, the part that turns back to dust is the body and the old man. But the new man lives. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I believe it. I believe you have a never dying soul. He loves the world. He's a merciful God. He wants everybody that can be there to be at the banquet. That parable that I just read was a parable of this invitation of the gospel. He wants his house to be full. 
He wants people to come. I gave a soul winning class. It's just real simple. God's for you. He wants you to be there. He wants you to be a representative of him. He needs your mouth, your hands, your feet to get it out there. And you get it out there and God will do the work. But not everybody wants to come, do they? The parable talked about three excuses these people gave. They were pitiful. Pitiful excuses. Why would people want to miss the great banquet of the marriage supper of the Lamb? Why do they want to miss it? I hate to say it because it's really revealed in John chapter 3, verse 16 through 22 or 21 if you read it. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They'll not come into the light because they'll be reproved. When you deal with somebody and they reject Jesus, it's about their sin. They either don't want to give it up, they're enjoying it, don't want to give it up, or they don't want to be embarrassed and admit they're a sinner. Their pride objects to admitting they're a sinner. I've been, I've been in door to door and wanted to buy an old, I've told about this old girl. She didn't know she was going to be the subject of my sermon when she did this, but she, uh, she was one of the sweetest old ladies. Man, do you look like she never stepped on an ant, killed an ant or nothing? And she, I asked her if she was a sinner, and she says, oh, honey. She's kind of like Marilyn Rose, you know, real sweet. Oh, honey. Honey, you know, how I, would, I, I, I would never sin. I said, you're lying through your teeth. Let me tell you, them, them sweet old ladies at one time were wild young ladies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Once in a while on Facebook, it'll give a picture of some of the hippies of the 60s and say, this is your mother. You know, some of the hippies of the 60s doing their wild, crazy stuff they did back then and say, hey, folks, this is one of you people's mother. Yeah, that's right, one of your people's dad. Yeah, people say, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. You mile, 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 misled you are. The Bible, you just don't believe what the Bible says and you're denying the facts. This chosen group, born again folks, gets to be guests of honor. Luke 14, 21, so that the servant came and showed his Lord these things. The master of the house being angry said, go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city. Bring hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. That's who we go after. We go after kids that are thieves and bring them into church. That's why if it ain't nailed down, it'll become invisible. I mean, I would not leave your purse unattended in Gospel Baptist Church. Now, are you listening to me, girls? I went by a church. I went by a, a purse one time, and, and and I looked in there, and there was a gun in the purse. Now, folks, not only should you not have your purse unattended, but if you do bring your gun, definitely don't leave your purse. One of our kids is going to grab that gun. Well, I, I don't want to make mention any names, but it's already happened here at the gospel. One of our eight-year-old bus kids took a gun home, loaded. Thank God he didn't shoot anybody. And a mother called me up. What a phone call I got that day. My son brought a gun home, loaded gun home from church. I go, oh, tell me, so did he use it on anybody? No, 
Did you take it away from him? Yes. Oh, thank you. I called the police. Oh, no. I couldn't believe how lenient the police were. The police were very lenient. You know why? He said, you wouldn't believe how many police officers leave their gun in the restroom. Are you listening to me? He said, you wouldn't believe how many police, you know, when a, when a policeman wearing all that stuff has got to use a potty, he's got to take that stuff off. And he puts it in the deals over here, and he gets busy with what he's doing. He leaves his loaded Glock, 40-millimeter Glock, loaded up on the, on the deal there. And I, the police department says, we have this happen regularly. And I'm glad nobody was hurt. I thought, praise God, other people do it. Just hope it don't make it into the newspaper. Brother, God wants to fill his house. And we're part of getting that done. It's a shame to fix a great dinner, a beautiful dinner, prepared for a great banquet, have but a few folks show up. God's not any different than you. And you girls that go cook for Thanksgiving, cook for Christmas, have big shindigs with the family at the house, and you work real hard, go buy all the stuff, plan all the stuff, cook all the stuff, put it up on the table, have people sit down. You want them to eat. You're like the old Italian mother. Honey, eat some more. Eat some more. You're going to blow away. You're going to blow away. Eat some more pasta. Eat some more noodles. Eat some more mashed potatoes. Come on now. And God in heaven's making a banquet for us. I'm unworthy of that banquet. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm there only by the grace of God. If I get to go there by his grace, it's only going to be that way. I'll not earn it. I didn't deserve it. I trusted Christ like you trusted Christ, but if you trusted Christ, he says, I'm going to have a place for you at my banquet. Don't miss supper, brother. Oh, well, you wish you had lived for God if you show up at that banquet. The Bible said there'll be a group of people called saved as by fire. All their good works going to be burned up. There won't be nothing left. They're just going to be saved by the skin of their teeth. That's a King James terminology, by the way, in the book of Job. Saved by the skin of your teeth. I didn't know teeth had a skin, but that means how thin it is. You're not going to want to go to heaven just saved by the skin of your teeth. You're going to want to go to heaven having lived for God and obeyed God and done his will and given it a shot and just trusted him for the rest of it. God wants a full house. There's no glory in small. I know God uses small churches. 80% of all the churches, fundamental Bible-believing churches people go to are, 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 are uh, 80% are 50 or less. A lot of small churches out there. But there's no glory in small. We don't, we don't brag about, hey, we're small, man, we're small. We just got a few people. You want, you want the place filled up if, if God will do it? And you, in other words, there's no glory in status quo. We want to grow. We want every seat in this auditorium at gospel full. Amen? I'd love to see it. I've seen it, and I would love to see it again. We should uh, not want as we should want as many as possible to be part of the banquet. It just makes sense. And what kind of people would we be if we didn't want our neighbor to be saved or didn't want our friends to be saved? Or, in other words, you got saved and you're going to heaven, and you wouldn't want the people around you to get saved. What kind of people would you be? My, oh, my. You just can't want it for yourself. 
You, you be grateful. We're motivated by the grace of God, by, by the gratitude of our salvation. We're motivated. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Father, for giving me a place at your great banquet someday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, we'll do it. We'll pass out tracts. Uh, we, we'll go uh, door to door. We'll do the bus or whatever you call us. You know, not everybody do all that. But, I mean, some of it, we're going to be involved in some sort of a program to fill your house. I believe Weststone said it, and it's true statistically, that most people that get saved are get saved by personal evangelism, one-on-one -on -one evangelism, not by preaching. 15% uh, or less get saved by coming to a preaching service. Most of the time, people get saved by one-to-one -one contact. That's how important it is for you to be a witness. He says, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. I have here in my notes, he, he wants us to get the street people, the stricken people, the strung out people, and the strange people. Amen. We're a peculiar people. I mean, we're strange, no doubt about it. The world looks at us like we are freaky, crazy, strange. Why would anybody, why would anybody take their weekend, week after week after week, and come to a building where a red-faced Baptist preacher gets up and tells them what's wrong with them and tells them what's right with God and tells them this and tells them that? Why would anybody want to do that? People come to me, and I've had come to church invited, and I say, preacher, I just wasn't comfortable at church. I thought, I felt good about that. Listen, if the unsaved people can come here and be comfortable, something really is wrong with what we're doing. Not now, you know, get me right now. We got beautiful parking so they can park. We got beautiful chairs so that they're comfortable sitting. We have an air, air conditioned atmosphere with 30 tons of air, 35 tons of air conditioning in this room uh, so that they can be comfortable and cool. We have breath mints so that they'll have good breath. We have Kleenex so that they can blow their nose. I don't know, being comfortable that way, we're not supposed to make it uncomfortable that way, but what they're talking about is not whether the temperature was right or the seats were comfortable or the parking lot was hard to get in and out of. They're saying the spirit, as soon as they walked in here, they got like, this is strange. What makes sense to me is somebody that needs to be born from heaven, it would seem strange. But if you'll work your way through that and say, there's something different here. God, I believe God may, and God will reveal himself. People oftentimes will get, will get saved. God wants to fill his house with whosoever will come. I believe we need to take advantage, and we have been taking advantage, of this open door that God has given us. Uh, make sure you have a reservation today because the invitation is for everyone. Go to your neighbors, go to your friends, go to your people you may know and say, hey, God wants to invite you to his great supper someday that he's going to have when Jesus comes back. Some have asked me as a pastor, what's your goal? What's your goal? See God's house get full. You say it's about numbers. No, it's about people. I had some self-righteous folks say it's not about numbers, preacher, but numbers represent what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's eight people. Will they? No, it's not about numbers. No, it's not. We don't. What I mean by that is just the sheer number itself doesn't have any righteousness to it. You may have two thousand, like we do, maybe on the beach uh, uh, on Easter, or you may have uh, two hundred, or or three hundred, or five hundred. But those are people. And you, from reading this, from reading the parable to you, you. 
you, you got it, right? Jesus cares about people, and he wants his banquet to be full. He wants people to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. I tell a funny little story sometime about uh, picking up, picking up uh, a kid that wasn't supposed to be on my bus. He picked a kid up, wasn't even supposed to be on my bus. We've had people come here that were trying to find Hope Lutheran. We compel them to come in. Yeah, come on in, come on in. Why not? Why not? Fill my house. I believe you ought to take, and I ought to take as many to the banquet as we can take. Amen. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, and I end with this, said the Lord said unto his servant, get out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Question I have to ask you. What are you doing to fill God's house? You say, preacher, I'm not a full-time. You're full-time. We're all full-time born-again believers, amen? I mean, just because uh, somebody receives a paycheck uh, to pay their bills and stuff for doing something doesn't make them not full-time. I'm a full-time born-again preacher when I was doing it for free, and, and when I got the paycheck for doing it, whatever the case, I'm still just full-time for God. The money didn't have anything to do with it. You're full-time, and I'm full-time. In fact, your, your main purpose in life is not to do the business you're in. Your main purpose in life is to glorify God. And your maybe secondary purpose is to glorify him through the business that he gave you, whether it be a plumbing business or carpentry business or stone grinding business or other kind of business you may be in. Whatever your business is, that's wonderful, but God's got to be number one, amen? Seek you first the kingdom of heaven above everything else, and God will be with you. Fill my house. When I first read those words, the Holy Spirit came by and said, Bill, I want you to fill my house. I want you to do everything you can to see people saved in your life. Early on in my Christian experience at 18 years old, the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Bill, I want you to do something to see people saved. My wife and I, with Troy being less than a year old, took a bus ministry at Grace Bible Church in the wintertime, in the wintertime, 10 degree below zero, the worst I remember, 17 degrees below zero, standing temperature. We did not have wind chill. Wind chill is a joke. Quit reading wind chill. How about just standing temperature? And don't get out in the wind. Lately in Florida, they've been saying it feels like 105. Stop it! It's only 98 years, 98 degrees, man. 98 is 98. It's not 105. Oh, preacher, but it feels like 95. What do you mean by that? I don't even know what they're talking about. And so we got out there in the bus around my wife and I and scraped the ice from the inside of the bus and went out and picked boys and girls up for Jesus. I eventually got 25 kids to come in that kind of weather. Fill my house. Fill my house. I hope you're excited about seeing people saved. I thank God. That's what motivates these bus people week after week after week. Rain, shine. Now it's real cool, but sometimes it's hot. They're out there in them hot buses to bring them in because they're, by the grace of God, doing what they can to see God's house filled. Father, we just pray that you'd help us from this simple parable to be able to discern your will to see people born from above. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, stand with me for a couple of verses of just as I am without one plea, without thy blood was shed for me. Invitation time, maybe God has touched you. Maybe you got somebody on your heart, your neighbor, your friend.
relative, you'd want to talk about Jesus, you've been a little shy about it, you've been a little scared to do it, why don't you just jump over that and give it a shot? Why don't you this week, somebody that you've wanted to talk to, but you're scared to do it, you've been hindered to do it, why don't this week be the week you're going to do it? You're just going to do it. They may throw you out. They may say, look, that's crazy, I don't want to believe it, but you gave it a shot. You did everything you knew to do to try to strike the conversation up around Jesus. Why don't you let God work? Just go out there and test the water a little bit and see how God can work. Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.